Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Monday edition of the Pewter Report podcast. I am Scott Reynolds flying solo today. Matt Matera is uh, on vacation, and so we're going to be talking about the Buccaneers struggling to find an offensive coordinator. Folks, I wish it was better news. I wish I had better news for you. But what I wrote this week on pewterreport.com about some of the reasons why the Buccaneers are having a hard time finding an offensive coordinator is true. And I wish it wasn't, but it is. So I'm your host, Scott Reynolds. We're going to be doing at uh, 420 today, since it is a Monday, we're going to be doing roll call. So keep that in mind. We want to hear from you, pewter people, and find out where you are. I'll try to balance uh, talking to you guys about the Buccaneers in addition to pulling up your locations. So uh, it's a it's a Monday. The Bucks didn't lose yesterday. We'll talk about the Super Bowl. Want to get your thoughts and your opinions on that as well. But uh, in the meantime, I'm your host today. I'm wearing my Tampa Bay Lightning jersey uh, shirt, I should say, just because uh, go Bolts. They're one of the teams that I like to follow. And since football season has officially come to an end, I really dive into hockey season now and uh, like to follow the Bolts. And we'll see how they fare this year. They've made some progress. Beat Boston a couple uh, games ago, but. Um, in the meantime, let's talk about your Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what's happening at the offensive coordinator position. Folks, we broke the story that Byron Leftwich was going to be fired. And that looking back, that was the right call because this offense had gone from 30 points per game over the first, uh, I should say, the second and third season with Byron as the offensive coordinator. In 2019, he was also the coordinator. Byron uh, was, was the first offensive coordinator. Uh, or I should say Jameis Winston was the first quarterback uh, under Byron's watch in 2019 before Tom Brady came in 2020. And we all know what happened. 33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, seven pick sixes, threw for a lot of yards, only won seven games. Tom Brady comes in, uh, takes the passing game to new heights. The points uh, improved. And, and of course, the win total did too. And we saw the Bucks win a Super Bowl in 2020 and then two back-to-back division championships. However, the scoring plummeted to 18.2 points per game last year with Byron Leftwich calling some, some games that were, well, should we say no logic? So here we are with Todd Bowles and Jason Light firing Byron Leftwich and some of the offensive assistants, including running backs coach Todd McNair. Uh, quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen would have gotten fired, but he decided to retire at age 66. And then uh, also Kevin Garver, the, the wide receivers coach, got let go. So running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and play caller gone from the offensive side, as well as one of their offensive assistants. And the Buccaneers didn't think that it would take this long to find an offensive coordinator. Only problem is when they started this search for a new offensive coordinator, Tom Brady was still kind of in the mix. He hadn't decided whether he wanted to Return or retire? He chose the latter on February 1st when myself and the Peter Report staff was in Mobile, Alabama, covering the Senior Bowl on Wednesday, February 1st. Tom Brady decides to call it a career after 24 seasons in the league, three years in Tampa Bay, and at the age of 45. What has that done for the Bucks' offensive coordinator search? It hadn't helped, folks. It's gotten It's gotten worse since then. Because right now, the Buccaneers only have one quarterback under contract, and that is Kyle Trask. Unproven Kyle Trask. Now, let's remember, Kyle Trask was not a first-round pick. He was a, well, should we say he was a second-round pick? Yeah, technically he was. But he was one pick away from being a third-round pick. So Kyle Trask had one really good season at Florida where he led the SEC in passing yards and through, I want to say, 43 touchdowns and eight interceptions, if my memory serves me. And he had a bunch of weapons to throw to, including the likes of Kyle Pitts, the first-round pick from the Atlanta Falcons, the, the impressive tight end, who was really kind of a quasi-wide receiver at Florida, in addition to Kadarius Tony, who just won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, and Van Jefferson for a year when he was the starter. So, uh Kyle Trask has not been seen from or heard of too much over the past two years because he's been on the bench, sitting behind the likes of Tom Brady. And while that's understandable and while that was the right play for the Buccaneers at the time, 
Well, what it's done is it's kind of hurt the process because Kyle Trask only has two brief appearances in the preseason and then an even briefer appearance in a regular season game. And that regular season game, as you know, was week 18 at Atlanta when the Buccaneers lost to the Falcons and Trask was inserted into the game at garbage time. And in about the last seven or eight minutes of the game, he was three of nine for 23 yards. So not exactly an impressive showing. And then you marry that with the fact that he couldn't beat out Blaine Gabbert for the backup quarterback job this year. And what do you have? Well, you've got two touchdowns, four interceptions, and I think he got sacked around 10 times if you add up the two preseasons. Again, not a stellar preseason, not like we saw from, say, Skylar Thompson, the seventh-round pick of the Dolphins, who actually led the NFL in preseason passing yardage and touchdowns as a rookie for Miami. And, matter of fact, Skylar Thompson from Miami Mater, Kansas State, quarterback the playoff game for the Dolphins, actually got them into the playoffs with that Week 18 victory and then uh, had a, you know, a, a yeoman's effort up there in Buffalo against the Bills in a game that was closer than most people thought it would be. But Skylar Thompson, really, as a rookie in the seventh round, has shown more promise than Kyle Trask in his two seasons here in Tampa Bay. So Kyle Trask is the only quarterback in our contract, and that is part of the equation of why we now know that offensive coordinator candidates like Todd Munkin from Georgia and Dan Pitcher, the Bengals quarterbacks coach who was at one point in time, the front runner, well, they both have told the Buccaneers, thanks, but no thanks. And it's not just them. I can't specifically say which of the other coaching candidates and the Buccaneers have rolled through the likes of Clint Kubiak, Keenan McCardell, Jim Bob Cooter, Shea Tierney, among others. I can't say for sure which ones have turned the Bucs down. But I want to say they all have. I'm not stating that as fact. That's speculation on my part. I do know the pitcher, and this has been reported. He has decided to stay in Cincinnati as the quarterback's coach rather than come to Tampa Bay to become the offensive coordinator because he believes that Brian Callahan, the Bengals' offensive coordinator, will be in line for a quarterback, I should say an offensive coordinator um, head coaching position He's the coordinator now for the Bengals. He'll be a head coaching candidate next year. And then you could see the likes of Dan Pitcher getting promoted from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator for next year. And of course, when you're the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, you've got Joe Burrow as your quarterback. And folks, that means everything to an offensive coordinator. And that's part of the reason why the Buccaneers are having a hard time finding an offensive coordinator because Without Tom Brady, it's just Kyle Trask right now. Now, the Buccaneers, I'm sure, whether it's Todd Bowles and Jason Light, both of them probably talking to these candidates, and they're saying all sorts of things. Now, we know, we've reported, that they're not going to be involved in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. This team is going to take the salary cap um, bullet, if you will. They're going to bite the bullet, and they're going to assume all of the 35 million-dollar cap hit this year for Tom Brady. And they're doing that strategically because what they want to do is clear their salary cap books in 2024 with a lot of this dead money. So instead of just taking an $11 million cap hit this year and rolling $24 million into next year and, and having that affect the team's cap, they want to just kind of be rid of Brady's cap charge of $35 million and kind of bite the bullet and take care of it this year so that they can have maybe one kind of down year and then they'll be in position next year to go ahead and and uh, and really pursue free agents and have a lot more cap space, not just for new players, but also for doing contract extensions for the likes of Devin White, Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield. The team does not want to keep kicking the salary cap can down the road with all of these voidable years and, and having these cap charges roll over, roll over, roll over, especially for players who are no longer on the team, like Brady. He's going to account for $35 million this year on the Bucks books and not play a single down for Tampa Bay. So the Buccaneers opting to 
take it on the chin this year from a salary cap standpoint. Try to be as competitive as they can. But here's the problem. The problem is if you're not going to go after Aaron Rodgers and you're not going to go after Derek Carr, who will probably be released by the Raiders on Wednesday, I think he's going to veto any trade um, scenarios, even a possible trade to the, the Saints, even if he's interested in going to New Orleans. He does not want to help Las Vegas out one bit. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him wanting to stick it to the Raiders and say, you're not going to trade me and get compensation for me. No, I'm going to go where I want to go. And it might still be New Orleans, but you're not going to get a damn penny for it. Uh, or I should say not a penny, but any type of draft pick, any type of compensation. So Derek Carr might go to the Saints. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the Saints have actually a slightly worse cap situation than the Buccaneers. How can they afford Derek Carr and Tampa Bay not? Well, Tampa Bay could afford Derek Carr if they wanted to. But again, it's it's mortgaging their future. It's getting Derek Carr today, but maybe not being able to resign either Wirfs or Winfield in you know in years past. Now, if you remember, the Saints had to kind of you know take their their lumps from the salary cap this year, and that's why the Saints took a huge step back. They had to let players like Trey Hendrickson, uh, Trey Hendrickson, go to the Bengals. And some of their other stars, were, they were not able to re-sign. And they were not as aggressive outside of, of um, you know, I mean, is re-signing Jameis, is that really an aggressive move? No. I mean, you got Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton were the quarterbacks this year. Um, so the Saints will probably try to sign Derek Carr. Not saying he goes there, but even if that happens, the Saints will sign Derek Carr, but it'll weaken their team in other areas. Maybe not this year, but certainly next year. But they're banking on the fact that Carr is a great enough quarterback where he'll be a difference maker. Here's the only problem. Derek Carr last year bet on himself when he signed his contract extension. It was basically a one-year deal, a prove-it deal, if you will. And it didn't work out. And it didn't work out even after the Raiders traded for Devontae Adams, a Pro Bowl wide receiver, one of the best in the game. And also, given the fact that they have a Pro Bowl tight end in Darren Waller and a Pro Bowl running back in Josh Jacobs and a very good slot receiver in Hunter Renfro. And then you've got another running back in Kenyon Drake who catches the ball out of the backfield really well. So if Derek Carr couldn't succeed in Las Vegas with those five weapons, which is actually a better group than he'll have to work with in New Orleans or in Tampa, and only won six games last year, I don't know that he's necessarily the answer. Now, I like Derek Carr. I, personally, I liked him coming out of the draft in Fresno State. I would have liked to have seen him in Tampa, but I understand the Buccaneers' reasoning for why they're not doing that and, and trying to sign him in free agency or trading for him with the, uh, with the, the Raiders, although Carr could probably quash any trade. We talked about that. So... When you're looking at maybe handing off the baton from Tom Brady to Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield, uh, it's it's not exactly a uh, you know a, an attractive job now, right? You're going to have a journeyman quarterback and Kyle Trask as your quarterbacks, and the thing is, is you may want to sign, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett. But the problem is, it's not free agency yet. So you can sit there and say, this is what we want to do. But maybe Jimmy Garoppolo wants to sign elsewhere, doesn't want to play in Tampa. The same with Mayfield or the same with Jacoby Brissett. So right now, you're trying to lure somebody with the promise of, this is what our plan is, but we can't execute this plan for another three or four weeks because free agency doesn't start. And we don't know who your quarterback's going to be other than Kyle Trask, who hasn't done squat in the league yet. It's not exactly an attractive job. And I understand why some of these coaches are opting not to do that. Now they could come here and sign for two years. That's typically the assistant or the coordinator contract is, is a two year deal. Having said that, well, what you're doing is, is you're, you're going to be the offensive coordinator here in Tampa Bay for one year. And then if you get fired, let's say Todd Bowles, doesn't win eight or more games, right? And let's say nine. He's got to win nine to really show improvement. 
and at least win the division again, right? Otherwise, it's a step back. So if if this offensive coordinator and whoever the quarterback is, if they don't succeed and if Todd Bowles' defense doesn't play well and Bowles maybe gets ousted after year two, and that's been the Glacier's MO to give at least two years to every coach they've hired. Some have gotten three, like Raheem Morris and uh, Dirk Cutter. Some have gotten two. And we're talking about Lovey Smith and Greg Schiano. So if Bowles doesn't help himself by getting more wins, and folks, do you think that a Baker Mayfield-led team or Jacoby Brissett-led team is going to win more games than a Tom Brady-led team? Not saying it can't happen, but it's unlikely. Then what happens? Well, if you're that offensive coordinator who just came to Tampa Bay for one year and now you're fired, yeah, you're still getting paid for that second season. But you're going to have to probably go back down to the likes of being a, a quarterback's coach, and you only got one year to really prove yourself as a coordinator. So you're going to have to kind of wait and go to the back of the line if you want to be a coordinator again. So that's what's complicating the problem for the Buccaneers now. And this is a problem. They're three weeks out now from firing a Byron Leftwich and trying to make this change. And, and trust me, the Tom Brady decision on February 1st did not help the Buccaneers. That hurt them in this search. But I don't think that Jason Light and Todd Bowles thought it was going to be this bad, thought it was going to be this difficult to find an offensive coordinator. But it has. And uh, we're going to get some of your questions and some of the super chats that I see. But, folks, it is Monday. And even though I'm flying solo today, I'm here with you, pewter people. And I want to know where you are watching and listening from. That means it's time for Roll Call. Where are you at, pewter people? All right. So here I am, your trusted host today, Scott Reynolds. And I am going to skip down here to the bottom of the chat. And we're going to find out where you are. We've got East Palatine, Ohio here. We appreciate that. Now, the last time we did this, last Monday, we had a lot of, of American uh, viewers and listeners. We didn't have many international viewers and listeners. So let's see how many we have today. It'll be interesting to see. So we have Crossville, Tennessee here. We appreciate. Uh, we've got some uh, Midwesterner and we've got some Southerners here. We have Nashville, Tennessee. There's Evan Winter. How you doing, Evan? Appreciate you joining the chat today. Rock. Rock Island, Illinois, Dunedin, Florida. I love it. Fort Wayne, Indiana. We, we got the Midwest representing today. This is awesome. Midwest Bucks fan, Illinois. Congratulations, Rondé. That was awesome. Overland Park, Kansas. I'm going to be out there. No, Kevin, uh, or sorry, Christopher Oxentine. You, uh, you're in my my uh, neck of the woods right there, Overland Park. Wonder if Eric Bieniemy wants a challenge coming to Tampa. I'll tell you what. I saw. So many wide open wide receivers and wide open Travis Kelsey during the Super Bowl yesterday. At this point in time, I've not heard a lot of great things about Eric Bieniemy. It's why he hasn't been hired yet. But I'm telling you, I might as well explore that and kick that that tire and see if uh, you know if he would be interested in coming here. Because at this point in time, I liked what I saw. I mean, listen, we had Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes. I get it. But still, having said that. A lot of wide open receivers, a lot of motion, stuff we didn't see from Byron Leftwich in Tampa. I would certainly, at this point in time, you have nothing to lose talking to Eric Bieniemy. South side of Chicago here, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Tampa, Florida. Watching here in England. Hey, Karen, how are you doing? Appreciate you joining us today from across the pond. Tampa Heights, we've got Hobart, Indiana, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Tampa Bay, Brandon. We've got uh, Bettendorf, Iowa. Savannah, Georgia. We've got Newark, Delaware. Uh, Armenia. I appreciate that. It might have been the first Armenia. Well, no, I think we've had some some Byron. Uh, we are sorry. We've, we've had some uh, some Armenian viewers before. I think that's the case. Vegas, the site of the next Super Bowl. Mount Morris, Michigan, Port St. Lucie, Florida, Cape Coral, Florida, Bradenton, Florida. Here you here come the Florida peeps. We got T Temple Terrace in the house. Braden, Kentucky. I love it. Uh, we've got, let's see here, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Costa Rica. What's up, Greg? How are you? Appreciate you joining the, the chat today. 
Salt Lake City, Citrus Park. Awesome, Chris. I'm glad you had some taco bia on Saturday night. I'm having taco bia this Thursday afternoon when I come visit my daughter Ellie up at Kansas State. Watch a little Kansas State, Iowa State basketball on Saturday. Sarasota, we're going to wind it down here with Braden, uh, see, Brandon, Florida, Sarasota, and Tallahassee. We appreciate everybody participating in Roll Call, which is one of the reasons why I love Monday shows because we get to find out where you Peter people are from. So we appreciate everybody for participating and telling us where you're at. We also appreciate the awesome taste of Celsius. That's right, Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report. We just Landed them as a partner again. We're excited. We're so thrilled to be partnering with Celsius for a third year now here on the Pewter Report podcast. Fantasy Vibe is the new flavor. I had one over the weekend. I had my orange, which is my go-to today. That's the can on the right. The Fantasy Vibe was absolutely fantastic. And then the Sparkling Lemon Lime, that's also a brand new flavor. So there's new flavors. There's also a cherry uh, green apple, which is really cool. I have not tried that one yet. That's the only one I haven't tried. But Celsius coming out with some amazing new flavors to start the year. But folks, you got to try the Fantasy Vibe. It is the fantastic taste of sparkling marshmallow and mandarin orange. And of course, lemon lime is is a a fantastic, um, less sweet version of Celsius. Where can you get Celsius? Well, go to Amazon.com. Use the subscribe and save option. Save money and have them shipped right to your door. So Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Okay, so it seems like a dream job, right? There's only 32 of these in the league, right? To be an offensive coordinator of an NFL team. And you know what? You, you can even bring your own plays and, and call your own plays, right? This is not like Byron Leftwich running Bruce Arians' plays, right? Or uh, even Eric Bieniemy running Andy Reid's plays. You get to come and bring your own playbook and the plays you want to run. Todd Bowles is going to be hands-off. He is going to let you run the show. Now, it might be a little daunting because you're going to have a hand in hiring a quarterback's coach, a wide receiver's coach, and a running back's coach as well. Todd will help, but he wants your input as well. But if you're just a young passing game coordinator or a young quarterback's coach, it might be a little daunting. You might not have as many contacts in the league. And listen, if they're having a hard time finding an offensive coordinator, I don't know that there's a lot of people knocking down the doors to become a running back's coach, a wide receiver's coach, or a quarterback's coach in Tampa, again, because of the quarterback situation, only having Kyle Trask on the roster. And then you also might have Todd Bowles for one year as the head coach, and you might not last. You and Bowles might get swept up in a a purge. So let me just get to the obvious question then that you you folks might have. before I dive into some of these comments here, and I'm going to get to a whole bunch of them here. So I'm going to try to answer as many as I can. So at this point, why not just fire Todd Bowles, right? If if he, if he you're having a hard time finding an offensive coordinator who wants to be his coordinator, then maybe the Buccaneers should punt on Todd Bowles. Well, two reasons why that is not going to happen. Number one, the Glaciers are committed to Bowles for this year. Again, for all his faults, and the team did go eight and nine, the offense wasn't, I should say the defense wasn't really the problem. The offense was. This defense held teams to 21 points or less in 10 games last year out of 17, and they were 7-3 and three in those games. And they probably should have been 10-0. and, and 0. One of those games, for example, was the Green Bay Packers game where the, the, the Bucks gave up two touchdowns in the first couple drives, but then after that held Aaron Rodgers and the Packers scoreless. And that was a game Mike Evans missed, but the Bucks only mustered up two touchdowns and missed on that two-point conversion, right? So you only had 12 points in that game, and they lost 14 to 12. But the defense played well enough to win that game. So, again, Todd Bowles and his defense weren't the problem. But Todd Bowles, the head coach, why would you want to keep him around if there's not a coordinator who wants to, to call plays for him? Well, here's the problem. Right now, this team does not have a quarterback. And sitting at number 19, they can't sit there and tell any other prospective head coaching candidates that they're going to draft a quarterback or be in position to to get a quarterback at number 19 or even trade up for one because you don't know how much ammunition you would need to get up there. And this team has a lot of holes, too. 
So if you're trying to say, well, just cut Todd Bowles at this point in time, right? And fire him. You just say you made a mistake and just blow it up and, and do the rebuild. Keep in mind, the Indianapolis Colts have struggled to find a head coach. They still have not named one as of today. Same thing at in Arizona. And Arizona has Kyler Murray, who at least has been to a, a Pro Bowl and the playoffs once and was a first overall pick. This Tampa Bay job right now is not very lucrative, even to head coaching candidates. And what level of, of candidate are you going to find to run this team right now? I don't know that it benefits the Buccaneers to go backwards even further at this point in time with the number 19 pick. You're almost better off just going with somebody as an offensive coordinator, hoping that this guy can be like Tony Dungy was in 1996, not the first choice, not the second choice, uh, really kind of an unknown ho-hum choice, right? Because back in the day, I'm dating myself here as someone who walked in the door in 95 with, with Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp covering this team. Dungy came on in 1996. The two big names the Buccaneers were after and fans wanted to see were Jimmy Johnson, formerly of the Cowboys, and uh, and then uh, Steve Spurrier, right, of the Florida Gators. The Buccaneers didn't land either one of those guys. Both of them turned down Tampa Bay. And so the Buccaneers were left with Tony Dungy, you know, an unknown defensive coordinator, who was on Dennis Green's staff up in Minnesota. You know, he was was kind of a buzzworthy name, but didn't have a lot of buzz about him because he's kind of a quiet, quiet, mild-mannered guy. But he came here and brought some really good assistance and ended up turning the, the franchise around and building a Super Bowl championship caliber defense that married with John Gruden's offense and the offensive coaches he brought in in twenty or in 2002, the year that Dungy was fired in January of 2002, um, the Bucks won the Super Bowl. So sometimes having to wait and not getting those, those upper echelon candidates can pay off. And I think that what the Todd Bowles and Jason Light have to hope for right now is that whoever says yes is the lightning in the bottle that Tony Dungy was, is the guy that can really revitalize and prove himself to be a very good offensive coordinator, revitalize this offense and get the scoring up and maybe develop Kyle Trask or figure out he's not the guy. But maybe it's taking a guy like Baker Mayfield or Jacoby Brissett and, and free agency, and those names are, are not sexy, I get it. But making one of those guys the next Geno Smith for this franchise. So we'll see. That's That's where they're at right now. You would think that the Buccaneers – with one of these offensive coordinator jobs would be a more appealing destination, especially the fact that the Buccaneers um, could, you know, and, and we'll, let me just talk about this too. So there are two new names on the list. One of which was interviewed and this is, is David Canales. He is the Seahawks quarterbacks coach. I don't know if he's going to get a second interview or not, but what we do know is that Thomas Brown, who is the tight ends, coach and the assistant head coach with the LA Rams, he is getting a second interview, maybe today or sometime early this week. Don't know the specifics on that. The interesting thing about Brown is he's also in hot pursuit by the Carolina Panthers. But the difference in the appeal here, because the Panthers quarterback situation is, is uncertain as well, is if you come here, Thomas Brown, you get to call your own plays, bring your own playbook, and you run the entire show. If you go to Carolina, you're going to be running Frank Reich's system, and Reich might end up being the play caller. Now, the benefit to going to Carolina over Tampa Bay, if you're Thomas Brown, is the longevity. Frank Reich is going to be the head coach there for next year in addition to this season. The Panthers aren't going to fire him after one year and probably not after two years. So you, you're going to have a little bit more of a window of, of time to win some games as a staff and prove yourself before the Panthers would move on from Frank Reich. So you have a little bit more job security there, a little bit more longevity. In Tampa, the appeal is, well, you got to kind of make it work this year, and you only have Kyle Trask to work with right now. But you do get to call your own plays. So if you think your playbook is 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 cool and awesome and and uh, you can be the next young hotshot, the next Mike McDaniels, the next Zach Taylor, 
the next uh, Lafleur, the next McVay, well, then step right up and become the Bucks' offensive coordinator. So we'll see. One other name to keep in mind is Pep Hamilton. He was the Texans' offensive coordinator, and he originally turned the Bucks down because he was under contract with the Texans. Pep Hamilton has a son who is, I believe, going to be, or if he's not, a five-star quarterback in his senior season at Pearland High School, which is a, a powerhouse in Houston. And I think that he wants to stay in Houston and watch his son play his last year of high school football. Now, he's still under contract with the Texans, so even if he sits out this year in football, he's still getting paid. But he could circle back around to the Buccaneers or the Bucs could circle back around to him as a potential candidate and saying, hey, because D'Amico Ryans wants to move on from you and they're looking at Cliff Kingsbury now and you didn't think you were going to get fired, but you ended up getting fired. Do you want to come to our house and play? Right. That's that's probably what the Bucs are, are saying to him. And again, Hamilton might say, no, thanks. I'm going to get paid to sit out and just chill and watch my son play football and I'll take a year off. And uh, and then, you know, get back into the mix as an assistant coach or maybe a coordinator in 2024. But if he wants to stay relevant, keep his name in that offensive coordinator mix. Well, the Buccaneers have an opening. So that's where things stand right now. It's not great news, but uh, I think Peter Report has probably been all over the offensive coordinator scramble, if you will, and maybe more than other outlets. So hopefully you've been reading our coverage on PeterReport.com. And uh, and enjoying it uh, as as best you can. Sorry, we've had to be the, the bearer of bad news, but we report what we know. Uh, Karen says, "Picture staying in Cincinnati makes sense for him personally. Why give up a stable job at Burrow for a job you could get fired from from uh, from a year from now if Bowles gets the boot too? That is correct. So, um, let's see. It's it's official. No more reload talk. We are in full blown rebuild now." Yes, maybe. I, I think you're right. I think it's leaning towards that, whether the, the Bucks want to admit it or not. It just depends. It depends if they get the right play caller and if if Baker Mayfield or – see, I think Baker Mayfield has a little bit more appeal as you know, a more talented guy, a guy that, that has a better touchdown-to-interception ratio, th- will throw more interceptions and make more mistakes than Jacoby Brissett. But Jacoby Brissett seems like that kind of safe, conservative, don't-get-his-beat type quarterback that Todd Bowles might want, but it's not just up to Bowles. Jason Light's going to have some say in this too. So it will be interesting to see who the quarterback ends up being. But uh, we've seen teams just come from out of nowhere. Uh, Teams like, you know, this year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they made the right hire with Doug Peterson and he got the best out of Trevor Lawrence who developed in his second year. And all of a sudden the Jaguars win the South, make the playoffs, et cetera. We've seen the Detroit Lions finally rise up, right? So I'm not going to say this team can't do it, but at the same time, uh, it's not looking that great. But we'll see how it goes. A lot to be determined. This roster is far from being built. We'll see the moves that they make. They're going to have to probably make some cuts to get under cap. Well, they're going to have to make some cuts to get under cap compliance, but they might have to make some major moves and releasing some people. And I think Donovan Smith, now that Tom Brady is not going to be back, I think Donovan Smith is, they're looking at him and saying, we're not going to, we're not sure what we're going to get with Donovan Smith. If we cut him, we know we're going to save about $10 million on the cap. And even though it's going to create a hole that we have to fill with another player, we might just roll the dice there and and see what we're going to get. Um, hello, Nathan. Appreciate that. Jeremy, I appreciate the love for the Bolts Polo. I had to break it out today. Uh, let's see here. Let's find some other questions here. You guys have some good ones. Let's let's to, let's give some congratulations to to Rondé Barber. Yes, um, awesome to see. I love Rondé. We're not supposed to have favorites, folks. We're supposed to be independent and, and objective in our reporting. I will tell you right now. Um, I've got uh, got a picture of Rondé right there. He is my absolute favorite. Out of all the Buccaneer players I've covered, I will unabashedly say Rondé is my absolute number one guy. And the reason why I've got this Peter Report jersey hanging up here, this was what the Buccaneers gave me for my 20 years of covering the team. That was eight years ago because I've been doing this for 28 years. Even though it's got those garish 
um, alarm clock numbers. It was the old Buccaneer jersey, which we can say now because the the new Buccaneer jersey is the original. Um, this this was the kind of in between. This was what I would call the Lovey Smith jersey. Even though I've got this ugly thing hanging up behind me, uh, it's it's the number twenty. It's it's really for Rondé Barber, but it's Peter Report. It's it's the fact that I've covered the team for twenty years, so I'm not putting it down because it it's it's twenty now. In full disclosure, if the team had given me one for, say, my 25th year rather than my 20th year, and it was Brian Kelly's number, I probably would have that replaced by now. But the fact that it's number 20, um, I, I love Barber. He's a great guy. Um, no Rondé personally. You know, it just just my absolute favorite. Best guy to interview, to talk to about football. So I was thrilled to see Rondé Barber. Uh, get in there. He had a nice uh, text exchange with Rondé the night he got into. So it was awesome. All right, let's get some of these super chats. We appreciate you guys so much here. Bucks basement, $5. I feel like the Bucks have subtly admitted they will not compete this upcoming season and Bowles is going to be gone after the season. I can tell you right now, Bowles wants to compete. Jason Light wants to compete. Their jobs are on the line. Their jobs are at stake. This is the NFL that not for long league. This is a, what have you done for me lately league? If you don't believe me, ask Doug Peterson, who got fired uh, lickety split after winning a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. Um, John Gruden, you know, won a Super Bowl. Tony Dungy turned this franchise around. They fired him after three straight playoff appearances. So anything goes in the NFL. You've got to compete. You have to. Uh, so I, I think they're going to, do the best they can to assemble a budget-conscious roster. And I don't blame Jason Light. Listen, he swung for the fences three straight years with the salary cap, and this team won a Super Bowl and two division titles. And they probably they should have done more last year. Last year, they underachieved. They were three points away from advancing to, I think, another Super Bowl. I think they would have beaten the 49ers if they'd gotten past the Rams at Ray J. They would have beaten the 49ers, beaten the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I think you're looking at a back-to-back -back Super Bowl championship team for Tampa Bay in 2021. You ask any Buccaneer player, they'll tell you the exact same thing. So for Jason Light to go while the Super Bowl window was open for these three years, two division titles, three playoff appearances, and one Super Bowl, there are general managers out there that would kill to do that. So I don't blame Jason Light for swinging for the fences. At some point in time, you got to pay off the Super Bowl credit card. The Bucks are choosing to do that this year, and that's where it stands. Greg says, Scott, do you think that the Lasers will give Light and Bowles until 2024 to get this turned around, considering the cap situation this year? I think, I think that they will now. It depends on how many games they lose in 2023. I think Light is safer than Todd Bowles. And the reason I say that is not anything other than my opinion and speculation. And, and I'll give it to you like this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Jason Light have ramped this thing up and he has had a hand. Now he, he's, he's worked for Lovey Smith as a head coach, but Lovey hired him. So Jason didn't have any say so in hiring Lovey Smith. If anything, he fired Lovey Smith, but didn't hire him. So, there's one head coach he's worked for, but didn't have anything to do with in terms of hiring. Then he fired Lovey, and he is the one that wanted Dirk Cutter to get the job and promoted Cutter. So Dirk Cutter is head coach number two, and it's the first coach that he brought to the table. Then after firing Cutter, he was able to get Bruce Arians out of retirement. That's the second head coach that he brought to the table, and the third he worked for. Then Bruce Arians decides to retire on March 30th abruptly and out of the blue. And after free agency had already started, free agency had been two weeks done by the time Bruce Arians decided to step down. Matter of fact, we were at the NFL owners meeting down in uh, in Miami and, or Palm Beach, and Bruce Arians decided he was a no-show. And we learned the next day that he was stepping down. Did Jason Light sign off on Todd Bowles as the uh, heir apparent, as the successor to Bruce Arians? Yeah, he did but he didn't do a coaching search. This is what Bruce wanted. Bruce said, I want to retire and I want to turn the reins over to Todd Bowles, whom the Glaciers had made the highest paid defensive coordinator in 2021 after winning the Super Bowl in 2020. So if I'm Jason Light, I'm looking at the Glaciers saying, hey, you know, 
I kind of inherited Todd Bowles. You know, I, I did I sign him off, sign off on him? Yes, but so did you, Mr. Glazier and Mr. Glazier and Mrs. Glazier Kasowitz. So <laughs> I think Jason Light is a little safer than than Todd Bowles is. Now we'll see if both of those men or one of them gets to see the 2024 season. Buck Spaceman, appreciate the super chats very much. We should trade players for draft picks this year. I'm all in favor of the Buccaneers trading back this year and acquiring more picks. They're going to need more players. They're not going to be able to sign all the all 23s free agents. They're just not not going to be able to. So uh, I think that they're going to have to trade back and get some of these uh, stockpile situations where you can stockpile picks. You're not going to hit on every single one of, of your your draft picks, even if you're Jason Light, who's had some good drafts. He's had some bad. He's had one really bad draft in 2016. And he's had some yeah, good average, you know, maybe above average drafts like like last year. We'll see how Logan Hall fares. We'll see how Luke Gedeke fares. It's unfair to to say that they're they're busts after just one year, but they got to step up this year. When Jake Kamar to the fourth round pick is your best player, that's not a great sign. Rashad White, yeah, showed some promise. We'll see. Kate Otten, yeah, showed some promise. We'll see. Zion McCollum, good special teamer. Can he play defense? Yeah, we'll see. So we have to have to wait and see on this draft. What Jason Light needs and the, the Bucks need overall in 2022, I should say 2023, is a, a draft unlike 2022, but more like 2020. You're gonna you gotta find some impact players. You gotta find a Tristan Werps. You've got to find an Antoine Winfield. You have to go one-two punch, not just with starters, because you found some starters this year. Rashad White was a starter, Kate Otten was a starter. Luke Gedeke was a starter. No, you need impact players. You need guys that are going to challenge for Pro Bowl as a rookie, either this year or next year. Those are the kind of players that you need. You need a Winfield, you need a Werfs. And you can't stop there. You need those two guys. But you also need about two or three more guys that can step in and start. So two or three starting caliber players and then two impact starters is what Jason Light in this draft class needs. And the best way to do that is to kind of trade back stockpile some picks. I think this is going to be a very, very deep draft at a lot of positions in the second and third round. So that's what I would do if I'm Jason Light. I'm looking to do that rather than trading players away because this team doesn't have a whole bunch right now because remember, 23 are unrestricted free agents. I'm not sure how many players you can trade away without creating more holes. Now, the one I would maybe explore doing that with is, is Donovan Smith, seeing if there's any franchise or I should say, see, see if there's any teams out there looking for a eh, maybe franchise caliber left tackle. They're hard to find. But I'm not sure how much you could get for Donovan Smith with a big cap number turning 30 this year off a terrible season last year. We'll see. Jimmy B, 499 Super Chat. Appreciate that. Do you think Light has been given some assurance from the Glaciers about his job security past 23? Seems risky from his and Bull's perspective. I don't know. And at the same time, I don't know if the Glaciers, what they say now really matters. They have the right to change their mind, right? They have they reserve the right to change their mind. They might sit there and say, yes, you're safe right now, Todd and Jason, or maybe Jason, but not Todd. But if this team comes out and wins three or four games, there's going to be some changes. There has to be. So uh, what the Lasers say might now might be perceived as the kiss of death. Um, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily trust what they would say right now, even if they gave me some assurances. So, because NFL owners, trust me, they have the right to, to change their mind. And, and sometimes they do remember the Lasers also fired um, Tony Dungy and John Gruden after winning records. So keep that in mind too. And Dungy after a playoff berth. So we shall see about that. Uh, Jonathan says, so after what you just said, Scott, it seems like the Bucks have come to their senses about 2023, hit the reset button in 2023, hopefully get a high enough pick uh, to get with a, a great quarterback prospect in 2024. Again, the problem is, is when you say hit the reset button, that kind of means tank. And that's not what Todd Bowles and Jason Light want to do or maybe even can afford to do, Right because it could end up costing them their jobs. So I, I don't know that that they're going to be doing that. I, I think if you still look around this, this NFC South landscape, 
it's it's still there for the taking. Even if Carr goes to New Orleans, I don't know that 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 might make them the front runner right now. But again, Derek Carr was six and nine with the Raiders last year as their their quarterback, and you know, we'll see how how he fares in New Orleans with with maybe less talent to work with on the offensive side. Probably a better offensive line for sure. Maybe that's the difference. But we shall see. Um, appreciate the Evan Winter with the strawberry guava. Uh, that that's a, a comment about about the uh, the Celsius for sure. And folks, uh, again, we we talk about Celsius, and I can see Evan bringing up the the kiwi the strawberry guava. There are all sorts of flavors when it comes to Celsius. Uh, orange is is one of my favorites. Tropical vibe, peach vibe. You've got the new fantasy vibe now. You got the Arctic vibe. Sparkling watermelon is Ashley's favorite. It's my wife. Uh, many, many kinds of, of flavors, uh, great flavors, great energy. That's what I love about Celsius. You get the energy without the sugar crash. Why? Because there's no sugar. And where can you find Celsius near you if you want to maybe grab a couple cans and try some different flavors? Well, go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, type in your address, and all of a sudden you'll find out exactly where Celsius can be found near you. Appreciate that. Comment, Evan. Let's get to another super chat. We had uh, one here that I wanted to get to from Shaggy. Thank you, Peter Report, for all you do. You all make it easier to be a Bucks fan outside of Florida. Excellent coverage and better community. I appreciate that. We certainly try, and we we kind of thrive in the off season. I mean, not that we don't, you know, kill it during the season, but there's a lot of outlets that cover the games and you can watch the games from pretty much anywhere these days. You can watch the games on your phone. You don't have to go to Peter report to find out who got hurt, who played really well and, and read the quotes from the coaches and the players after the games and get our analysis, but you do. And we appreciate that. But in the off season, there's nothing to really watch. So you kind of rely on us for what's happening with these coaching hires, what's next in free agency, which coaches are coming and going, which players are coming and going who they're going to draft and, and Peter report. Well, we feel like we do the best job when it comes to the Bucks off season. Tom Brady might be gone folks, but we're not. We get the best Bucks coverage at PeterReport.com, the mothership. Make sure you're following us on social media at Peter report. And that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And as you know, because you're watching or listening, we've got our Peter report TV, YouTube channel. We love our subscribers. We've got over 10,100 now. We're on our way to 11,000 subscribers. So if you can, please like all of our podcasts and make sure you're a subscriber to Pewter Report TV. It is the absolute must because what that does is that helps our algorithms. The more subscribers we have, the more likes we have. It brings more Pewter people to our plate. And uh, and then we feed you guys all of the information we know. So it's that's how it works. We You are the customer. We serve you up the Bucks information. You consume it. And then you give us the thumbs up and we get more customers. So we absolutely love it. Thank you all for that. And uh, we're also going to give you some some uh, advice on where you maybe should uh, put some of your money away for retirement. At Amuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. That's right, folks. That's where I've got the vast majority of my financial assets is with the Muni Financial. Now, the great thing is they're here in St. Petersburg. They're just across the bay from me. I live in Wesley Chapel. But you know what? They don't just serve the Tampa Bay area. They don't just serve Florida. They serve clients across the country and have been doing so since 1980. So if you need help when it comes to legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts for the kids, or insurance services, Immunity Financial is going to do more than just allocate your assets. They're going to spend time with you and help you plan ahead so you can stay ahead. With 40 years of experience, let Immunity Financial help you. Give them a call. Do what I did. 1-800-868-6864. That's 1-800-868-6864. Or visit them on the web at immuni.com. All right, let's get back to some of these. I think we had another super chat or two, and we've got a couple of their comments here I'm going to get to. Let's see if I can find them. 
A lot of participation today, a lot of feedback. Got to that one. And here's the super chat. Uh, okay, I guess that was it for the super chats. All right. Is Tom Moore still on the staff? Yes, he is. Tom Moore, Tom Moore can't live without football. So <laughs> and whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be, probably a younger guy, as you've seen with some of these, these uh people that have come through the ranks, Dan Pitcher, Thomas Brown, these are guys in their mid-30s having you know, an old uh, veteran on the staff to bounce things off, uh, off of like, like, uh, Tom Moore, probably a, a good idea. Um, late to the party from Ontario, Ontario, Canada. We appreciate you, Harry. Appreciate that very much. I also saw somebody from Hawaii on here too, that, uh, that came into the scene. There we go. Kel is 808. Uh, appreciate you joining us all the way from Hawaii. So, we we got some international folks today. We've we've also got uh, you know some some uh, we got a Hawaiian as well, which is very cool to see. We love Mondays. That's where we do roll call. Uh, let's see here. We uh, I saw Eagles doing bombs away yesterday. Ba was uh, was a, a good a good uh, a god tier head coach for us. So I can talk. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Um, I would agree with that. He certainly was. I mean, he's a ring of honor coach, helped deliver a Super Bowl, helped recruit Tom Brady. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Alex Scott, the Derek Carr news is helpful to the Bucs. Honestly, they could sign uh, a backload contract with him. Um, yeah, but you mean if he was going to come to Tampa Bay? Um, well, if he was going to go to the Saints, he could sign a backload of contract. But whoever gets Derek Carr, right? Derek Carr is, is due $40 million uh, guaranteed money, and he's going to want to break the bank with that. And if he's on free, if he's in the free agent market, he is going to be sought after. The Saints might not even get him. We'll have to see. Uh, John B says, so play Trask and get your top five pick and kick bulls to the curb. That might end up happening. I, I will say this. This seems like to me a 2009 season. Now, hopefully not the three and 13 record that Raheem Morris was forced to endure. I think this is a more talented Bucks team than what Raheem Morris had when he inherited the job. Remember Raheem was going to be the defensive coordinator to replace Monty Kiffin on John Gruden's staff. And all of a sudden in, in late January, two or three weeks after the season, John Gruden and Bruce Allen get fired. Mark Dominic gets promoted to general manager. Raheem Morris gets promoted to head coach and they cut Derek Brooks, Cato June, Ike Hilliard, and Warwick Dunn. And they got rid of all of their, their veteran name guys, and it was a very barren roster in 2009. So having said that, if you remember who the quarterback was to start the season in 2009, anybody remember? Byron Lefwich was the Bucks quarterback in 2009 to start the season. And then he gave way to Josh Freeman, who was the first-round draft pick that year. So I could kind of see that happening this year, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, uh, or a Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to end up starting the season. I think Kyle Trask will get a shot at some point in time. And usually when that happens, things aren't going well and start things start to go south. So we will always see, uh, we're, we're, we're always going to know what's, what's happening with the wins and losses. That's going to determine what's going to happen. And if everybody uh, thinks that Todd Bowles is going to get fired in, in 2023, at the end of the season and we'll have a new head coach in 2024. Well, like I've said before, one of two things is going to happen. That's going to appeal to the masses. Either Bowles is going to do enough to win this year, nine, 10 wins, win the NFC South. And if that's the case, that means he found the right offensive coordinator and, and the right quarterback. And then I think Buccaneer fans would be happy. And if he doesn't win at least nine games, I think that's where the, the, the standard has to be, and win the NFC South division, then he's going to get fired. And chances are it's probably going to be less than eight wins, and so you're going to be closer to that top 10 pick, and then you're going to get what you wanted, which is a new head coach. So I think either way, Todd Bowles is going to help the Buccaneer fan base. He's either going to do enough to win and get this team back in the playoffs, find the right OC and the right quarterback combination, and maybe the arrow's pointing up. Maybe it's Kyle Trask. Maybe Trask develops, or maybe – they get another Geno Smith type caliber guy, uh, a reclamation project, a journeyman who the light bulb finally comes on. It happened with Rich Gannon in Oakland. It happened with Geno Smith this year in Seattle. Uh, it's it's kind of a, of a risk and a gamble, but if that happens, 
then, you know, the Buccaneers, brighter days may be ahead for this franchise. And if not, then Todd Bowles and Kyle Trask may run the ship aground. And then you're going to get your reset in 2024. Oh, and by the way, there'll be a better, closer to the top 10 draft pick, maybe inside the top 10, and a much better cap situation for a new head coach. So that's the, that's how I see it. Uh, just hang on tight. Just in, enjoy the 23 the 2023 season for what it's worth. And we'll see what happens in 2024. Emily. Hi, hi everyone. Scott, am I the only one who sees potential in Daniel Jones? I think he would fit here. I think so too. I think the problem is, is the giants are going to want to keep him after he delivered them to the, the playoffs and got them there. So I think that's what's going to happen there. I don't know that, that, uh, you know, that, that he's going to be coming to Tampa Bay again. Don't have an offensive coordinator right now. And I think there's going to be a bunch of teams interested in Daniel Jones. And remember, the Buccaneers, I think, are going to want to go cheap this year with their veteran. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, but he, there might be a market for him. But I think Jacoby Brissett, Baker Mayfield, those are the offensive. Uh, those are the quarterbacks that, that a young offensive coordinator is going to be straddled with working with, one of those two guys. That's what I'm thinking right now. Tony Saylor says the same thing. That G Vegas says, which is love when Rondé was getting booed by the Philly fans last night. That means that Rondé and the Bucks still own Philly, which is awesome. That was great to see. Uh, Rondé <laughs> deserves all he is getting, no doubt about that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, a fact. Uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, uh, Tom Bucks fan, why has Simeon Rice done so poorly in Hall of Fame voting? That's a great question. That's probably something we'll do a show on. Maybe maybe even get Simeon Rice on. Uh, this guy has is, is got, I think, Hall of Fame caliber numbers in terms of of, uh, of sacks. He's done it with two teams, primarily the, the Cardinals first, then the Buccaneers. But we're getting to the point where how many players from the 2002 Bucks Super Bowl team could make it to the Hall of Fame? You've got Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, and Rondé Barber, and that's four out of the starting 11. That's that's a lot. It's going to be hard. This is not like a, a dynasty type team where the, these players that were Hall of Famers made it to multiple Super Bowls like the Steel Curtain did or the Dallas Doomsday defense, you know, playing for those type of teams. So we'll see what Simeon Rice's chances are. But I think Rondé Barber is the guy that needed to get in. And um, and he did. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I'm also thrilled to tell you about age rejuvenation, folks, because it's done wonders for me. I turned 51 years old coming up in April, but I don't feel like 51. And, you know, I get some comments and, and, and uh, you know, and the fact that I don't look like I'm 51. Um, starting to go gray a little bit up top, which Ashley loves. Uh, don't dye my hair and losing a little bit, but... At the same time, um, I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Yeah, looking great's one thing, but feeling great is another. And I can tell you, I don't feel like I'm 50 going on 51. I feel like I'm about 40. And I know John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer tight end, feels the same way. Why? Because age rejuvenation. Like John, I've got low testosterone. Or at least I had low testosterone. I don't now because I've got the testosterone therapy working for me with age rejuvenation. Folks, it does turn back the hands of time. You don't have that mental fog. You're not sleepy at night at 8.30, 9 o'clock, falling asleep on the couch. You have energy throughout the day. I'm telling you, don't wait. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Sign up for one of their, their free, no risk, no obligation, complimentary consultations. They'll do the blood work for you. Insurance pays for it. They'll check your testosterone levels, and they'll give you $500 off right now if you mention Peter Report for your first testosterone therapy. So you can't beat that with a stick, agerejuvenation.com, five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Folks, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. And I've really enjoyed uh, all of the, the interactions today. Thanks for the super chats as well, as well as a roll call. Never done one 
before by myself on a Monday, but it was cool. Appreciate this last super chat here. Uh, the Bucks tell Brady <laughs> they will take all the $35 million. Well, it, Brady has already been paid that $35 million. We're talking about just the salary cap hit, and that's because of the voidable years that that he signed onto when he did his deal. They're all kind of coming due now. So Brady actually took um, uh, his cap hit was diminished last year, and some of that money was rolled over into a dummy year this year. And that's why there's this $35 million cap hit because the Buccaneers paid Tom, but didn't have that full $35 million hit the books until this year. Now, they could spread that out over this year and next year, but they're not going to want to do that because they could only do it post-June 1. And if they did, it would be about a little over $11 million this year, then $24 million next year. The Buccaneers just want to take their lumps right now and just have have one year worth of kind of cap you know, misery rather than extend the pain and suffering into other years. So, uh, folks, that is that is it. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in. We had a great turnout today. Appreciate all you guys. We're going to be back tomorrow. I think Matt's back tomorrow. We'll find out. But I'm going to be here regardless at 4 o'clock for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. John B., I appreciate the, the comments. Uh, I'm not the GOAT. Um, that's, that's either Rondé Barber or Tom Brady, not me. But I appreciate uh, everybody tuning in. And James, thank you for the kind words and everybody. So uh, for myself, Scott Reynolds, and Celsius, the official energy drink of Peter Report, uh, I'm going to say so long for today, and we'll see you tomorrow on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast.